It's the New Mercury Podcast, and here's your host, Kyle Lohmeyer. Welcome back to the New Mercury Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Kyle A. Lohmeyer, and the only member of the New Mercury staff, such as it is, so there's just really no one else to do this. Today, I would like to talk about what I believe to be the second biggest problem facing the American persons here living in the United States. The biggest problem is, of course, the fact that we have an armed gang with a monopoly on the legal initiation of violence ruling over us all on behalf of a handful of very wealthy and powerful individuals who've essentially turned us all into tax slaves on their plantation. That's always going to be the biggest problem any of us ever have, and will continue to be so until we all wake up and rid ourselves of this parasitic entity known as the state. The second biggest problems humans in the region of the North American continent that we call the USA have is certainly a lot less concerning a problem than that whole having a state one is, but it has served to make the lives of us tax slaves here yet more miserable in recent decades. That problem is the fact that, somehow, most Americans have just completely lost sight of where the line that separates what is their business and everything else actually lies. Most people seem to think that line is much, much further away from the tips of their own toes than it really is. And we see manifestations of this problem all over the place, and it comes from both of the two government and media-created tribes that we have in this country, the left and the right. For example, the right's historic opposition to gay marriage and ongoing opposition to abortion are born of their failing to recognize that neither other people's marriages nor their bodies are actually any of their concern. Two gay guys getting married harms the person or property of no one else. Okay, a woman... Aborting a pregnancy might obviously harm the fetus she's carrying, but that's the point, and since it's inside of her, she gets to make the decisions. It's always the outermost human that makes the decisions in these matters. Kind of obviously. I really don't know why this is still so confusing to so many. Anyway, of course, the left are famously busybodied as well. I mean, we see this all the time in their nonstop demands for more gun control laws. Never mind that it's no more any liberal's business what's going on inside of my gun safe than what's going on inside of any woman's body is some conservative's business. And speaking of business, the left seems to think that everyone's actual business is their business. California just passed a law that requires publicly held companies to themselves require there be a woman on their governing boards. California's left believes how a company's internal leadership is composed, gender-wise, is somehow its concern. Just like those same lefties believe they have the right to require owners of AR-15s to fit them with add-ons that make them work less well. So, it's quite obvious that neither conservatives nor liberals know where that aforementioned line between what's their rational concern and then literally the entire rest of the world lies. This is, in and of itself, quite an annoying problem. This failing is what leads people to gather outside of abortion clinics and harass the women going inside. This is what leads to people marching in the street to demand that the government take guns away from people who've never harmed anyone just because certain guns look scarier than others. This is what leads to self-styled antifa dweebs going out and trying to punch people for saying mean words. And of course, this is all very annoying, but when you have people who are possessed of this mentality and an armed gang with a monopoly on legal violence already ruling the hell out of you, well then this mentality quickly mutates from merely annoying to really damned dangerous. Because with the armed gang around, the busybodies are no longer harmlessly impotent. I mean, we've all laughed at that old black and white temperance movement photo of a group of ugly women sitting around a sign that says, lips that touch liquor will never touch ours. Like, okay, deal, y'all watch me drink this bourbon now, okay? You've seen me do it. So, obviously that wasn't going to work to stamp the demon rum out of existence. So what did those ugly women do next? 
That's right, they got the armed gang that is government to violently put the distilleries and breweries out of business. Of course, this just gave rise to other armed gangs who then competed with each other to distribute alcohol to the victims of the busybodiness, but that was rather predictable, really. Anyway, the point is the passage of the 18th Amendment is an important lesson in the power of busybodies when combined with the presence of a government. Obviously, the temperance movement wasn't as universally popular as the teetotalers first thought it would be, and 13 short years later, the war on alcohol ended with alcohol winning by submission. But they did manage to, through sheer force of obnoxiousness, get an amendment written to the Constitution of the United States of America. It is still no mean feat. And that's kind of why I believe the prevalence of busybodies today is so worrisome. I mean, okay, today, sure, the big breweries and distilleries, or the conglomerates that own them, they're among the oligarchs, so there's not ever going to be another big federal-level crackdown on alcohol. But then again, that's not what today's busybodies want anyway. No, what today's busybodies want is actually more dangerous because what they're after doesn't threaten the oligarchy in any way. Some want abortion outlawed, and there's just nothing but endless gains for the government there. And remember, as a corporatist oligarchy, the government exists to serve those oligarchs first, and then itself second. Us tax slaves don't really factor in. Anyway, so having a bunch more babies born each year who then go into the state's foster programs just means the state is going to have to tax all of us more to pay for that bigger foster program. Those babies that don't go into foster care but require government assistance just means more money will need to be stolen from the rest of us to fund that assistance, and may even end up meaning the government will have to hire more welfare administrators and then pay them, thus growing government yet more. And then, when those kids, either in foster care or on other government assistance, get to be 16 years old or so, they get to go out into the world and become new tax slaves themselves. It's a win-win-win. At least three wins for the state. On the other side, more and more youngsters are calling for the state to crack down on free speech. They've come to the conclusion that anyone saying anything mean anywhere is somehow their constant concern. And therefore, it too must be the state's concern. The state must then do something about it. But again, and forgive me if I repeat this to the point of pedantry, but I do try to do each episode in hopes it might be some brand new listener's first one. So again, the state's government is just an armed gang with a monopoly on the legal initiation of violence. So when it's asked to, quote, do something about anything, it can only do the one thing it knows, and that's violence. So keep that in mind when you see something annoying and think to yourself, there ought to be a law. Should there really? Should someone with a gun put someone in a cage over your pet peeve? I mean, I hate sagging pants too, but let them live. Anyway. So when liberals and lefties want to argue that, quote, hate speech isn't free speech and the government can and should do something about it, they are literally saying that if you say mean words, a person with a gun should come and stuff you into a cage and should furthermore shoot you if you resist. Now that is some dangerous busybodiness right there. And it's even more dangerous because putting you into a cage for saying or posting online mean words isn't going to bother the government at all because it's not going to hurt the oligarchs. In fact, the oligarchs who own the private prisons in the USA would love to have an influx of new customers that you and I get to pay an average of $30,000 per year to warehouse. And even better if they're just mere thought criminals as opposed to hardened killers and rapists because those guys tend to require more supervision usually. And you think it can't happen? In the UK, an average of nine people are arrested each and every day for what they posted on social media. And we're not talking about death threats or incitements to real violence here, just edgy memes. Memes that push their fingers just a tad too deeply into the eye sockets of the state. They're sensitive to that over there. And if Trump's temperament is any indication, government over here is getting awfully sensitive to criticism too. So then what we're watching is essentially two petulant children screaming at some big, powerful, and largely unhinged nanny, both demanding that she spank the hell out of the other. 
The danger here is that the kids are likely to find, to their horror, that the nanny is all happy to oblige. Them both. Because not only can it, it behooves it to. And now that you've begged for it, here it comes. As H.L. Mencken said, democracy is a theory that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it. Good and hard. It was true roughly a century ago when Mr. Mencken wrote it, and it's true now. The government only knows how to do anything it's going to do to us good and hard. The only winner in a society that sees its government in this way and tries to use it as such is that government. At all times, it is the entity being turned to and then beseeched to act, to do something. And this, of course, just gives it more power. Each new something it does represents a new front where government intrudes into a place it hadn't before, or intrudes deeper into ground already conquered. Either way, this requires it to be given more money and more power, and all of the government's money and power comes directly from us tax slaves. Being a busybody, then, is like calling in an airstrike on your own foxhole, thinking you can scrunch down deep enough inside to survive the onslaught that destroys all of your neighbor enemies. So then, if busybodies are dangerous given the existence of the powerful armed gang, then it must be vitally important that we each of us avoid becoming one. And so, to avoid becoming a busybody, everyone must learn where lies that line that separates what is their rational concern from the entire rest of the world. This requires each of us to admit and accept the fact that that line isn't nearly as far away from our own person and property as many people like to think. Basically, two questions always apply. Always two, but only these two. The first is, insert whatever action I'm inclined to complain about here, hurting my person. The second is, is insert whatever action I'm inclined to complain about here, hurting my property. That's it, and that's all. If the answer to either of those questions is yes, well, then you've got a legitimate gripe there, my friend. But if the answer to both of those questions is no, and you still want an armed gang to intervene somehow, well, then I'm afraid you are just being a busybody and you need to learn how to mind your own business. And it's very important to be hard and coldly objective here when questioning whether something is actually causing you or your property harm, and not just your feelings. Because, I'm sorry, feelings don't quite rise to that same level where they count as actual harm. And that's because each of us has to first let something hurt our feelings before it can. As Marcus Aurelius wrote long, long before Mr. Mencken was even born, if you are distressed about anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but to your estimate of it, and this you have the power to revoke at any moment. What the women going into the abortion clinic are doing does not in any way harm the person or property of the protesters outside of the clinic. The pain those protesters feel at seeing those women going into the place pregnant and coming out no longer so isn't caused by the abortion procedure that's not even happening to them, it's caused by their estimate of it. And that estimate is typically jammed full of all sorts of religious belief and other subjective moralizing that they themselves have chosen to subscribe to. At any point, any anti-choice protester outside of any abortion clinic making a bunch of bad noise for no reason has the power to revoke the hold over their minds that this whole matter of abortion has. To just quit it, knock it the hell off, and go home. Go find some actually useful and productive way of spending their fleeting amount of time on this wet rock orbiting an unremarkable yellow dwarf that we like to call soul. Hell, do a podcast no one listens to. At least you're not harassing some poor girl who's already not having a very good day for crying out loud. I swear those bloody savages. Beyond just the practical and pragmatic threats rampant busybodiness poses that I've described so far, unchecked busybodiness has a very cancerous effect upon the mind. It's a gateway drug to unspeakable evil. I mean, isn't deciding that the neighboring Sudetenland region of a separate country should be instead ruled by you and your country an example of extreme busybodiedness? Or deciding that there just shouldn't be any more Jews? Or France? 
busybodiness is a kissing cousin of irrational greed. And if we look back at the actions and events throughout history that most of us would consider to be objectively evil, they were all motivated at their heart by someone attempting to realize an irrational greed. The aforementioned actions of Hitler weren't mere busybodiness. They were evil acts committed in an effort to realize an irrational greed. Because it is inherently irrationally greedy to want to rule even one other human, let alone an entire other nation of them that don't want you there to begin with. Yet, Hitler conquered France and realized that irrational greed in an act of evil. He mil murdered millions of Jews in an effort to realize his irrationally greedy desire, motivated by an especially perverse busybodiness, to rid Europe of Jews. Stalin's irrationally greedy desire to secure his role as so the Soviet Union's unquestioned despot ended up killing millions more. Dictators of countries can and have committed monstrous and far-reaching acts of evil in efforts to satisfy their irrational greed. Most of them, historically, from Hitler to Mussolini to Stalin to Barack Obama, started out as busybody agitators. Gaining control of the armed gang that is government is what allowed them to commit their incredible evil. Today's free speech-hating so-called Antifa busybody agitators, if not disabused of their ridiculous beliefs, are going to grow up to be tomorrow's lawmakers. Likewise for the cellar-dwelling perennial virgins of the white nationalist far-right. Without that government for them to gain influence over, Antifa and the white nationalists and or Proud Boys or whatever they want to call themselves nowadays, they would just be the laughably silly jokes that they really are, they, that they should only ever be. But time has repeatedly shown us what can happen when busybodies gain influence or worse, control over a state. But even as I beg all two of you listening to check your motivations and prejudices and abstain from busybodiness, Brand new busybodies are right now being minted in the church pews and liberal arts college lecture halls of this nation. There is no stemming the tide. There is no panacea to cure this nation of its increasing irrationality. It is simply human nature for people to allow themselves to be whipped up into frenzies over things that don't actually concern them. And that's unfortunate. It is, however, another really good reason why we humans have to disengage from and stop participating in the machinations of the state but we have to eventually get rid of it and let it all fall apart, wither, and die. Because we humans aren't perfect, not by a long shot, and we aren't ever likely to become so, at least not soon. So as such, the very worst thing we can do then, the very silliest and most dangerous mistake we can make, is to tolerate the continued existence of an institution with enough power to act upon the worst and most irrationally greedy desires of humankind. We've already seen what happens. We've got history books jammed full of the evidence. And the popular kind of cutesy colloquial definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Humans have allowed themselves to be governed by states, by mere gangs of other humans, for millennia. Our history books tell the grim tale of the endless war and misery that this has caused. For even more evidence, we dig up the archaeological remains of societies from prehistory, and we find evidence of the same endless tragic misery. Eons later, and humans by and large still aren't sufficiently adept at realizing what is within their rational self-interest, and what isn't an irrational greed. We still can't figure out how to mind our own business when it comes to minor things, even. Having pluralities of such humans in a society ruled by an armed gang has not yet once yielded great results for anyone concerned. Well, other than the armed gang, of course. But, instead of getting rid of that armed gang, the tribal-minded among us scheme and plot and dream up of ways to use its might to hurt the other side, their so-called enemies. Parksburg, West Virginia City Councilman and anti-choice activist Eric Barber responded to the confirmation of Associate Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh by taking to Facebook and urging women to, quote, get their coat hangers ready. 
because Eric is gleefully anticipating people like him using the government's monopoly on violence to take away women's reproductive rights. Never mind, again, that what's going inside any woman's body is exactly none of Eric's concern, objectively. But Eric is a busybody, and he has no idea what is actually his concern or not, and has, as such, convinced himself that not only should an armed gang use violence to stop women having safe surgical abortions, but it will also be kind of neat to see some women die from unsafe, savagely non-surgical abortions. He anticipates the tingle he'll feel in the reward center of his brain when he reads a news story about a young girl dying in just that manner in a few years after his beloved armed gang overturns Roe v. Wade. I mean, if wanting a young woman to die so your brain will release a little blast of dopamine isn't irrationally greedy to the point of being objectively evil, then I don't know what words in the English language even mean anymore and have ostensibly suffered just some sort of instant-onset global aphasia here. Bear with me if that's the case. Okay, if that's not the case and I'm still actually lucid, well then Councilman Eric Barber is a total piece of... Kyle, you ticked the clean content box on iTunes... <clears throat> He's a jerk. Councilman Eric Barber's a jerk. And an elected public official. Isn't it kind of a bit scary, maybe, isn't it, that a person who wants to see government used evilly so as to satisfy his irrational greed actually gone and got himself elected to government? I mean, can we get this guy a medical cocaine card, please? That way he can get his little blast of dopamine and no one has to die? I mean, I'm sure it won't scratch the itch the same way for him, but that's his own fault for being a sociopath. I mean, seriously, you got to be pretty bent to look forward gleefully to any of the awful repercussions repealing Roe v. Wade would have for this, the real, actual humans in this country. And he's government. He's on the local armed gang steering committee. Because enough of the people around him like the cut of his jib and put him on that governing body. That's how it works. That's how it's always worked. Can we maybe please start to see the monstrous folly of that here? And I get it. For all of humankind's recent history, and most of our total history, humans have been ruled by armed gangs. It's a rut we've gotten ourselves stuck in. With the government in control of education in the USA, the notion that governments are necessary and the American one is the very best gets hammered into kids' heads relentlessly over the course of 14,000 hours of K-12 public indoctrination. Requesting that millions of Americans unlearn this idea is a really big ask. And if I had a nickel for every time I was told that there's never been a long-standing, purely voluntarist society, I could buy my own small airplane. And I probably would, too, because flight is just fascinating to me. And I can't help but think that there just had to be, standing on that beach at Kitty Hawk way back in 1903, some curmudgeon old fart watching the proceedings and just shaking his head. Standing there thinking to himself that them two morons from Ohio with that contraption are just complete fools. Don't they know that in the more than 100,000 year history of humankind that not once has any human being ever ridden in a machine that was capable of maintaining its own aerodynamic lift? And he would have, of course, been totally correct. For the next 15 minutes or so, that something hasn't happened yet is no proof that it can't. Powered flight hadn't happened until then because engine and airframe construction technology had not evolved to the point where powered flight was possible. Until it did. And then some clever bicycle enthusiasts from Ohio worked it out. A purely voluntarist society, I believe, is the acme of human societal evolution. But we obviously aren't there yet. Before we can break free of the ground, we have to evolve our society to the, the way engine technology evolved to allow the right flyer to make its seminal voyage along that beach. Before we can do that, however, we have to first see the armed gang ruling us, preventing us from taking that next evolutionary step for what it is. And it's not something to try to use against our fellow humans, but instead to see government like gravity, something to, do be, to be defied and conquered through our cleverness and sheer force of will. But, 
Before that can happen, we need to find a lot more of the people whom Mr. Mencken described as the most dangerous people to any government. Those inclined to think things out for themselves without regard for the prevailing taboos and superstitions. The only way I've come up with for doing that is doing this. So, please like and share the new Mercury on Facebook. Help me grow that group big enough for Zuck to unpublish it. And check out the website, www.thenewmercury.com, where there's endless hours of blog entries you can read through if you're so inclined. Plus, there's the buffoonery page where I keep a stash of original memes. Until next time, be dangerous, everyone.